Welcome to Grace Harvest Church's weekly podcast. For more information about Grace Harvest Church or to find out more about something you hear during the podcast, visit us online at graceharvestchurch.org. Now listen in and allow God to speak to you through this week's message. We're going to be, uh, it's going to be just kind of a short devotional. <laughs> My famous last words, you know me, anytime I say it's going to be short, it's usually a little bit longer than I think it's going to be. But uh, yeah, we're going to get going here. So, you know, I want to talk to you tonight for Good Friday, and then we're going to have communion afterwards. So make sure you got some bread and some juice, and you're ready to go on communion. I'm really, really uh, excited is a good word. I, I'm excited about availing myself of all that Jesus has done for us on the cross. But I wanna talk to you tonight about what it means to be confronted by the cross of Christ. What it means to be confronted by the cross of Christ. You know, when we talk about Good Friday, for us, it's good. Because we know what happened. We look back knowing that Jesus rose from the dead. Good Friday is good because we know that Jesus secured salvation for humanity by atoning for our sin on the cross. Good Friday is good for us because we know how it all ends. Jesus comes out of the grave. However, if you were a disciple of Jesus or you were a person living in Jerusalem at that time, even if you were his enemies, Good Friday wasn't good. For the enemies, it was. But Good Friday for the disciples was terrible. It was the worst nightmare in history. And in the middle of the story of Jesus suffering and his trial and all that he goes through, there's this man that enters the story named Simon. And we're going to read about Simon in a few minutes, but many of you will remember the story of Simon where Simon is asked, or I should say commanded, to take the cross of Jesus and carry it for a short time. And he was confronted at that moment with the greatest revelation of suffering, of pain, of the reality of sin. But ultimately, as he looked back, he was confronted with a revelation of the love of God. Now, I want to walk you quickly through the last day of Jesus. And I'm going to start with his betrayal all the way to his crucifixion. And if you're reading the Bible during the season, which I want to encourage you to do, um, I want to encourage you to read Matthew 26 and 27, Mark 14 and 15, Luke 22 and 23, and John 18 and 19. Uh, those are specifically about the death of Jesus. You can read after that for his resurrection. But I want you to think about these things. This is the timeline of events that Jesus went through, okay, on his last day. He agonized in prayer and he sweated blood-filled drops in Gethsemane. He prayed and prayed. Remember what he prayed? Father, if it be your will, let this cup, meaning his death, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my own will, but your will be done. I love what C.S. Lewis said years ago. He said, 
the, the, the question we have to ask ourselves in life is, will we pray or will we say with our life, not thy will, but my will be done? Or will we say, not my will, but thy will be done? Well, Jesus wrestled through that. And where Adam and Eve failed in their garden, Jesus succeeded in his garden. And he sweat great drops of blood and he wrestled and he was in agony as he was preparing to die on the cross. And then he's betrayed by one of his closest friends, Judas. Another one of those common human experiences, but Jesus experienced it to a greater depth, all the way to the point of death. And then he appears before the high priest and they put him on an unjust sham of a trial and they spit on him and they strike him in the mouth. And then Peter, one of his beloved disciples, one of his closest, you know, Jesus had his three, right? Peter, James, and John. And Peter denies that he even knows Jesus. I don't know the man. And then Jesus appears before the Sanhedrin. They were a council of 70, a high religious council, and they again wrongly accuse him. And then he's brought to trial on two more occasions. You may not have realized that, but altogether Jesus goes through three trials. On two more occasions, he appears before Pilate, the Roman governor, and he appears before Herod, the provincial king. And he's mocked and ridiculed and made fun of. And then Pilate, you might remember this, Pilate attempts to release Jesus, but the crowd threatens him. The crowd threatens him and Pilate begins to understand that there could be riots and an insurrection. And to keep that from happening, he does his famous thing where he washes his hands of the blood of Jesus. But before he does that, the scripture says that Pilate's wife comes to him and she tells him, you need to release this man. I had a dream about him. You need to release him. But then Pilate says, nope. And he washes his hands and he says, I'm innocent of the blood of this man. And then Jesus is mocked some more. That seems to be something that happened over and over again, mocked and made fun of. And, you know, we all grew up with the, with the silly saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But we all know that's a lie. And the words were directed at his whole, his very identity as the son of God. He's mocked. And then his betrayer commits suicide. And that's a whole different story in and of itself. But the one who betrays him takes his own life. And then they take Jesus and they whip him and they place a crown of thorns on his head. And the whip is a cat of nine tails. They flog him until his flesh is torn from his body. And then they put a crown of thorns on his head and they take a, a, a rod and they strike him over and over again on the head and would have driven the crown of thorns into his skin and he would have been bleeding everywhere. And then after going through all of that, you can imagine the emotional exhaustion, the mental exhaustion, the physical exhaustion. Then he carries his cross on an agonizing journey and he's crucified at the place of the skull. We read in Luke chapter 23, verses 32 through 34, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. 
And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, think about this. He's been through all that I just described. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But there's one thing I left out in my timeline, and that is this confrontation with a man called Simon. And what I want you to see with Simon, as is the case actually with several of the characters in this story, you know, we know Barabbas, who is an insurrectionist and a murderer and wanted to overthrow the government, a terrible person, he gets substituted in the place of Jesus, right? He gets, re- he gets released and Jesus gets crucified. Jesus is innocent. He's a murderer and an insurrectionist, wants to overthrow the gov- government. He's a terrible human being, and yet he is representative of us. And the Roman soldier who says, surely this is the Son of God. He's representative of of others that stand by. And we see each of the different characters in the story bring out qualities that all of us have at different times. And Simon is the everyman. And that's the way I want you to think about it. Simon is you. And Simon is me. Simon is the everyman. And Simon is shocked and surprised by the cross. He's going about his business. We read I'm going to read it from three different uh, gospel accounts in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. If you want to look on in your Bible, you can. But Matthew 27, 32 says this. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. Think about that. Mark 15, 21. And they compelled a passerby... Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. Luke 23, 26. And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. This is interesting You see the words compelled in both Matthew and Mark's gospel. They compelled him to carry the cross. And then you see in Luke's gospel, they seized him and they laid on him the cross. So Jesus' cross seizes us and compels us to confront his suffering. Earlier in the day, my wife Peggy put up a powerful post on the scandal the ugliness, the brutality of the cross, and how the cross reminds us that we can't look away. We can't look away. You think about the time that we're in right now. A lot of us maybe would want to look away, right? I mean, we think about the suffering that's going on, the difficulty. Sometimes the way we look away in our world is to find things to distract us, right? To, to bury ourselves in a series on Netflix or, or some other streaming or, or to do something that will distract us. And some of that's okay, but you know, what happens many times is we find ourselves not wanting to look at the ugliness, right? And Lord knows we get overwhelmed with all the news feeds and everything else, so I get it. 
But Simon is coming in from the country. He doesn't know what's been going on. He sees Jesus going down the road. A Roman soldier grabs him, seizes him. They compel him. Can you imagine Simon? He's like, what have I ever done to deserve this? And they lay on him the cross of Jesus. Now imagine Jesus' cross confronts us when we least expect it. You know, he was a mere passerby. He had traveled a long way, it indicates, around 800 miles to be present for the Passover feast. And he was probably staying outside of Jerusalem in the country. That's what most scholars think. And he journeyed into the city for some unknown reason. And suddenly he's confronted by Jesus and his cross. And he's the perfect picture of what happens to all of us when we least expect it. The cross of Jesus becomes personal and relevant to us when we're not even looking for it. You know, I mean, that's my own story in my own life. I wasn't looking, I'm going to tell you, I wasn't looking for God. I mean, I was looking for something. Maybe it was God and I didn't know it, but I wasn't looking for a cross. I wasn't looking for a sacrificial death. I wasn't looking for something so bloody and brutal as the cross of Jesus. Simon wasn't looking for it. And then Jesus' cross confronts us with the weight of our own sin when it's laid upon us. You know, the Roman soldiers laid the cross of Jesus on Simon and they compelled him to carry it. And he was confronted with the weight, the violence, the pain, and the bloodiness of the cross of Jesus. I mean, we don't know how he was dressed, but can you imagine he would have put on clean clothes? He would have prepared himself to go into the city. He comes into the city and suddenly he is struck by brutality by blood Jesus is bleeding from everywhere he's been carrying this cross they take Simon and they move the cross over to him in that exchange he would have been incredibly close to Jesus they would have been probably close to face to face Jesus is bleeding from everywhere it's brutal Simon doesn't know anything about Jesus he probably just thinks he's an evil criminal and all of a sudden the cross is laid on Simon. And I can only imagine that at that moment when he looked in Jesus' eyes, because there seems to be something about encounters with Jesus that are different from other humans throughout the Bible. And he looks in Jesus' eyes and he's confronted with the suffering of this man. And even if he thought he was an evil man, surely he had thoughts like, this is horrific, this is terrible. And then he gets the cross put on him, and Jesus' own blood is now beginning to move on him and touch him. Jesus' blood is on his clothing. Jesus' sweat is on his body. I mean, he is having a moment when he's dealing with the reality of Jesus' blood. And he doesn't know it at that moment, but the blood that's touching him, the blood that's covering him, is the blood that will forgive him and save him and begin to restore all of creation. Wow, this cross, Simon didn't realize it. But if we look at the reality of what the cross is, this cross was Simon's cross. Simon actually, for a moment, felt the weight of what we all deserve. But it wasn't only Simon's cross. It was your cross. It was my cross. It was our cross. We held the hammer 
and the nails, but more than that, not only did we crucify Jesus, but Jesus carried what we deserve to carry. The ugliness of the cross became personal for Simon, as it must be for each of us. Look upon the cross of Jesus. See yourself there. See yourself carrying it. See the ugliness of it, the brutality of it, the injustice of it. Imagine it for a moment and then see Jesus lift it from you. That's our cross, yet he bears it. The heart of Jesus toward us is to bear our cross for us. And right after this, as Jesus is crucified, the prayer of Jesus as he takes our cross and bears it again is simply what? Just a few verses after this, Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. You see, we're all Simon. And we, a lot of times, are going about our business, going about our life, just kind of doing our thing. Even after you become a Christian, you know, I found many times that, that people, when they first come to Jesus, the cross is real to them, right? The suffering of Jesus and the love of God, the, the love, just being overwhelmed with, he loved me so much, he would do that for me. Wow, that God would love me that much to, to die for me. He would take my sin, that Jesus would take my sin and suffer in my place and take what I deserved. And, and we're, we're really kind of captivated by it. But then life happens and we go on and we continue, you know, on our way and maybe we just get caught up in life. It's just being human, right? And then that, that moment comes when we're seized when we're compelled, when we're struck again with the beauty, the glory, the ugliness, the brutality, all of it, it all kind of meshes together. How could the cross end up becoming a, a symbol of victory when at the time it was the absolute worst symbol you could imagine? It represented all that was bad, all that was evil, all that was unjust, all that was ugly. It was the worst torture device. And now it becomes a, a, a place of love. See, we are Simon, and we need to be struck again with the cross and how brutal and ugly and yet glorious and beautiful it is. So tonight, as we think on Good Friday, the first thing I want to do is think about, just take a minute right now, and let's think about the cross. Think about what Jesus went through for you. Think about his suffering for you. Imagine, put yourself in the place of Simon. You are bearing the cross for just a moment, feeling the weight, seeing the blood, experiencing the ugliness of what the cross represents, and being reminded that you don't have to bear it. You don't have to go up on there because he did. Praise God. That is amazing. What love. So we're going to have communion tonight. And I hope you all went and got some elements. And if you didn't, I'll take a minute. Go run and grab a piece of bread. Get some juice. Whatever you use for communion. I mean, if it's red juice, that's the best way to go. We want to be reminded of the blood of Jesus. But get some juice. Grab some bread. And in just a moment, we're going to come back and we're going to have 
communion together. You see, Jesus died for you and he died for me because of love. Justice, righteousness, and atonement are all a part of this work of dying. But the ultimate purpose and motivation is God's love for you. You know, we needed to be made right. We needed to be justified, to be declared righteous before God because of the atoning work of Christ. But if we want to know the heart that was behind it all, it was the love of God, the love of God, which gives itself for the sake of the world. So I want to encourage you today. Maybe you're like me. I'm aware right now. I had one of those days, if you weren't here at the beginning of this video, you'll know I started out by saying, have you ever had one of those days when you feel like you really need the cross of Jesus? I had one of those days today. I need the cross of Jesus. I need the forgiveness of the Lord. I need to be reminded that he paid the price so that I didn't have to. So we're going to partake of communion. So I'm gonna right now get, get a piece of bread. I have a piece of bread here. And I'm going to break it off. If you've got your piece of bread, get your piece of bread ready. And I want to read from 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26, and remind you of what Jesus said to Paul, which is, this is a very curious section of scripture because the apostle Paul writes this and he wasn't with the disciples on that night. And yet he writes this in verse 23. He says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread and let's give thanks. Lord, we thank you for your broken body. Thank you that you bore our cross and that we haven't had to experience the weight of it. Remind us of all that you bore. Remind us of all that you took for us. Thank you for your broken body. We receive this bread right now from you gratefully. In your name, Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Let's partake. It's always awkward to stare at a screen and chew bread. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, and remembrance of me. You know, we go right past those words, new covenant in my blood. But the new covenant is incredible. The scripture tells us that we are part of a covenant that has new and better promises, eternal promises. The scripture tells us that we have a, are part of a new covenant that has a better sacrifice. Not lambs continually every year, but one lamb, Jesus, for all time. 
The scripture tells us that we're part of a new covenant that is a new and better priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. And Jesus is the high priest who went behind the veil one time for all and sacrifice, and here's with the new and better sacrifices. And what did he sacrifice? He sacrificed himself. So he's the better priest with the better sacrifice in the better covenant with the better promises. That's the Jesus that we serve. And we are experiencing his new covenant right now. So he, it says he took the cup after cupper and he, after supper, excuse me, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my, blood, in my blood. Do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your shed blood. Thank you for your broken body. Thank you that you gave it all for us. Lord, we, we stand in awe of your kindness, your love, your mercy, your grace. That you sought us out, that you searched for us, that you found us, that you redeemed us, that you love us, that you have forgiven us over and over and over again. Thank you, Lord. And then Paul says this, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Tonight, we're remembering what Jesus did when he died on the cross. We're proclaiming his death, that he took that cross and he bore it for you and for me out of love, that his motivation was love and that we would be confronted once again with the power, but not just the power, the brutality, the ugliness, the sacrifice of the cross. Just as Simon experienced when he was taken out of the blue, coming in from the country, and he was seized out of the blue, and he bore that cross for just a few minutes and was faced with the ugliness of it so that we would be confronted and faced with the ugliness of it, but also the beauty of it. I want to close in prayer and then say just again, thank you for joining me during this Good Friday time. Uh, let's close in prayer. Come on. Father, I pray for my brothers and my sisters, for anyone that's watching out there right now. We come in your name, Jesus, and we come because of your shed blood and your broken body. We thank you, Father, that you hear us when we pray because of what Jesus has done, not because of anything that we could have done to merit it. We haven't done anything to earn it. We thank you we come alone based upon the shed blood and the broken body of Christ. And we rejoice in the shed blood and broken body of Christ. And Lord, I pray tonight for my brothers and sisters that maybe have become dull of heart or cold, cold of heart or dull of hearing. And the cross just doesn't mean much to them anymore. They're not seized by it anymore. They're not compelled by it anymore. They're not struck by its, its reality anymore, its brutality anymore. They um, maybe have taken on a lazy or a laissez-faire attitude about all that you've done for them. Lord, even forgive us if we've lost our thankful hearts and we've begun to complain or find fault with you or, or whatever it may be. Lord, forgive us and once again, captivate our affections, captivate our heart, captivate our mind with the wonder of the cross of Jesus Christ. Cause us to see again that beautiful cross in a new way, in a fresh way, to be, um, to be struck by it, to be 
confronted by it, to be amazed by what you did there, Jesus. Lord, I pray for all my brothers and sisters as they go into the rest of their evening and this weekend as we prepare for Easter Sunday and to celebrate your great, great victory. Lord, I pray that you would make yourself known to us in a fresh and new way beyond what we've ever known of you before. And I ask this of you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, listen, before I go, I want to tell you a couple of things. First of all, if you're a part of Grace Harvest Church, or even if you're not, and you're looking for um, an online worship experience for Sunday, for this coming Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, we want to invite you to join us at 9 a.m. on our Facebook feed here, um, on, on Facebook, our church page, or on YouTube. We're on our YouTube page as well. And we're doing something kind of cool. Uh, we're asking you if... <laughs> Some of you are going to be like, no way I'm getting out of my pajamas. But one of the things we're going to be doing is we are going to, um, we're, we're asking you, if, if you have your family, if you're there with your family at your house and you guys go ahead and get dressed up and do whatever you do for Easter, if you get, you know, your kids in, in nice clothing or you get in nice clothing, listen, if you got a special pair of pajamas you want to show us, that'd be great too. But if you wouldn't mind taking a family photo together, a family selfie, and then posting it to our church page and just sending it to us and letting us know, share that moment with us, what you did for Easter. Maybe even tell us some of the stories of what um, Easter Sunday was for you and, uh, and celebrate together. All right. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate all of you so much. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you. God bless you.